The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. Jesus said to the chief priest and the elders of the people, Hear another parable. There was a landowner who planted a vineyard, put a hedge around it, dug a wine press in it, and built a tower. Then he leased it to tenants and went on a journey. When vintage time drew near, he sent his servants to the tenants to obtain his produce. But the tenants seized the servants, and one they beat, another they killed, and a third they stoned. Again, he sent other servants, more numerous than the first, but they treated them in the same way. Finally, he sent his son to them, thinking they will respect my son. But when the tenants saw the son, they said to one another, This is the heir. Come, let us kill him and acquire his inheritance. They seized him, threw him out of the vineyard, and killed him. What will the owner of the vineyard do to those tenants when he comes? They answered him, He will put those wretched men to a wretched death, and lease his vineyard to other tenants, who will give him the produce at the proper times. Jesus said to them, Did you never read in the scriptures, The stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. By the Lord has this been done, and it is wonderful in our eyes. Therefore I say to you, the kingdom of God will be taken away from you, and given to a people that will produce its fruit. The Gospel of the Lord. How is it that we receive the Lord? It's a question that ought to come to mind, which the Lord invites us to reflect upon this week, specifically in light of the readings that we just heard. Our first reading today is uh, one of those great parables, one of those stories of old, of how the Lord God essentially comes and he does everything that he possibly can to make a vineyard that is fruitful. He goes and he sets the hedges, he gets the, the wine press ready, he gets the soil all prepared, he does everything possible. And when it comes harvest time, he gets wild grapes. Useless. And so because the ground was not willing to receive the, the, the gift of God and produce the fruits that were there, that should, have been, that should have been rightly put forth, he tears down the hedge, crushes everything, and leaves it to be whatever. He abandons it and walks away. In the gospel we hear essentially the same story but told from come a, a different perspective by the Lord who gives it a different, a different touch with the same effect. The tenants are those uh, who are the people of God. And the tenants, the, the people of Israel, the vineyard workers, are the ones who are supposed to go forth and to, to work, the, the work the land and produce the fruits to give it to the owner. Whenever the owner sends his first round of people, the first three, they're beaten, they're stoned, and they're killed. And this is a reminder the Lord is giving to the hearers, uh, the priests and the elders in the community. He's telling them, remember the prophets. The prophets that I sent of old that, that, were, that came to the people of Israel to be able to bring you back from your idolatry, to bring you back from worship of foreign gods, to bring you back to the worship of the true God. And how did you receive them? 
You beat them, you stoned them, and you killed them. But God didn't give up. He sent others, more numerous than the first. He sent various judges throughout the years to be able to to be leaders of the people of Israel. He sent kings. And he sent various other holy men and women to be able to call the people back to holiness. To call the people back to God. And all of them, they did the same thing. They beat them, they stoned them, they killed them. They refused to receive them. And then one day, the owner of the vineyard sends his only son, Jesus. And when Jesus is speaking this parable, he's he's foretelling what's going to happen to him. And he's saying, whenever the son came, they received him as well, and they brought him out of the vineyard, and they killed him on the spot, that they might be able to have his inheritance. And because of the wicked sin, because the, the tenants were of such wickedness, they too will be abandoned, completely crushed by the Lord. Because when the tenant, whenever the, the vineyard owner comes back and he finds those tenants having killed all of those servants of his and his only son, he will put them to a wretched death. And the people who should have been the recipients of the promise of God, who should have been the great heirs to the kingdom themselves, are abandoned by God. Because they refuse to produce the fruits. He says, if you, don't want to, if you won't receive me, that's on you. And he leaves them. And the promise is given to someone else. These are hard things to hear. You can understand why in the rage in their heart they wanted to kill Jesus on the spot. Ultimately, ironically, fulfilling the parable. There was a great frustration in their heart because they saw that Jesus was exactly saying that you have fallen short. And because you have fallen short, because you have failed to, to give God what is rightly his, God will abandon you because you've already abandoned him. So it's an invitation for us to reflect in our own hearts again, like the members of the, the tenants in the vineyard, when the Lord God comes to us, how do we receive him? Do we receive him trying to take the inheritance for ourselves? That way we might be able to, to kill or stone or beat whoever it is that's in front of us. That we might be able to, to have what is ours. Or do we allow him to come to, to speak to us and to change our lives? How do we receive him? This past week while uh, we priests were on uh, retreat for our, our diocese. Our retreat speaker spoke on the topic of discipleship. And one of the things that he spoke about, he went through various, various accounts in the Gospels to, uh, to show different aspects of the call to discipleship and what it means to be a disciple of Jesus. And the overall thing that was common in, in every single one of those stories was the reality that to be a disciple of Jesus means that we're willing to receive Jesus into our life. That we're willing to have him come to us and, and dwell in us. That we're willing to make space. Sometimes even being willing to set things aside. We're willing to leave things for the love of Jesus so we might be able to make space for him there. And on the opposite end, those who would not be disciples of Jesus, they were not disciples because they had no room to receive him. They were so full of themselves and their own plans, their own desires, and their own wickedness of their own heart that there was no place for Christ. And so Christ left them to themselves. He abandoned them. Because they wanted to be abandoned. They would not receive him. So how do we receive him?
At Holy Mass, there are a variety of ways that we can receive our Lord. But the place par excellence where Christ comes to us and invites us to open our hearts to him is in the moment of Holy Communion. So I think here is an important place for us to reflect, how do I receive Christ? How do I receive him there? In past homilies, I've reflected on the exterior postures of the reception of Holy Communion, of the encouragement towards kneeling to receive communion and receiving on the tongue, the traditional postures of the church and reception of Holy Communion, but also to encourage that because it reminds us in our flesh that what we're doing is something different than everything else. Then we go to the bank, we don't go up to the teller's box and kneel at the front of it to wait to be waited on, huh? And when we're, at the, when we're at the grocery store, we don't walk up in the line and open our mouths to wait for someone to feed us. Neither do we stand at our home, unless we're little children. Neither do we sit at the, at the dinner table and just go, ah, and wait for someone to put something into our mouth. It simply doesn't work that way. I'm sure if any of us did that, our family around us look at us like, what are you doing? And rightly so, because that's not where it normally happens. But here in the moment of Holy Communion, it can And it drives on that point in the flesh of our willingness to receive Christ and our openness to be humbled before him. Exterior reverence. That doesn't mean we can't have it other ways. Certainly that we're permitted to be able to stand and to receive communion in the hand as well. And these postures too can be done with great reverence. So too they can be done in a manner that shows that we truly believe what it is that we're celebrating. But regardless of either of those postures, the main thing is to recognize also before then how we walk up to receive. As we're in line for Holy Communion, what is going through our minds? I know when I was younger, I would often be looking to see what was going on around me. When I was in the seminary, I'd be looking to see who was where or what was going on or these kinds of things. And it's a temptation for us as we come forward as we're in the line coming forward for Holy Communion. If we're not right up in the front to start with, to be able to look and see who's who and see where's, where's everybody sitting today. Usually we all sit in the same spot, so it's not a surprise. But to be able to see, you know, who's wearing what or maybe who's not here today and wonder where they are, these kinds of things. And to allow our minds to be kind of off a bit. So too, we can come with a, a certain disinterest in our bodies. In the same manner that we go to the bank and we just kind of stand in line casually waiting or in the grocery store casually waiting or any other place where there are lines, we can casually wait. But if we treat our posture walking up to Holy Communion the same as if we're walking up to the grocery line, then there's something missing. There should be within our heart and and even within our flesh a recognition that something incredible is taking place. The church wonderfully and generously gives to us images and icons in the sanctuary and around our church to be able to help us to focus. That as we walk forward to receive Holy Communion, to know that front and center before us is the crucifix. And on either sides, images of the angels, of the saints. The way in which Jesus has walked before us in the stations of the cross. And so many things of how our Lord invites us to focus upon him. To allow our flesh to speak something of the goodness of what we are celebrating. 
A homily that I once heard when I was in the seminary was by my, uh, my associate pastor my home parish. He was talking about how beautiful it is to see people to come forward and to see the love for Jesus that they have in their eyes as they receive communion. And as a priest, I have the joy of being able to do the same. To see in so many people's eyes an absolute love for Jesus Christ. You can see it all over their face. But sometimes, heartbreakingly, we also see the opposite. A sense of carelessness or casualness, of an unconcern or a disinterestness, disinterestedness in our Lord. Of how sometimes we fall into that mechanical rhythm of Catholicism. As we simply go forward, we receive and go back to our pew, kind of our, our normal flow that we do without even having to necessarily think. Sometimes, too, sadly, this, ha- this happens. And so that's why it's important for us not just to focus on the exterior actions that we do, but most importantly, to focus on the interior to make them the same. So the question is, where is our heart? Where is our heart when we receive the Lord? Jesus comes to us, to every one of us, in the moment of Holy Communion, And he asks to be let in. He comes and he knocks at the door. But he will not force himself. Because love love never forces itself. Otherwise it's not love. It's just simple control. But rather, love given and received freely is a wonderful thing. And it's that love that Jesus Christ holds out to us. And he opens himself and he offers himself, will you receive me? Will you receive me? We can receive him in the flesh in a Holy Eucharist. But the important thing is for us to recognize that he remains with us. Who among us would receive a guest at our home, have them come and knock on the door, we receive them, welcome them, seat them on the couch and walk away and never speak to them for the rest of the day until they leave? That'd be a little rude, huh? Rather, wouldn't they come in, you'd invite them in, have them sit down, you get them some coffee or some water or something, maybe a little bite to eat if they're staying a while, these kinds of things. Kind of visit with them and chat. And the same thing that the Lord desires of us in this moment. If we receive communion and simply go back to our pews and allow everything else to cloud into our mind, we essentially have received Jesus, set him on the couch and walked away. But if we sit there and remain with him, what a gift. To celebrate and rest in the better part that Mary chose when Martha was busy about so many things. And Mary simply sat at the feet of Jesus and listened. And we can experience the same. To come and to sit at the feet of Jesus and listen. But we simply have to receive him. Even if we don't have words. Just simply to rest in his presence and know that he is there. A wonderful thing. To enjoy the sweet guest of our soul. And so as we come for Holy Communion today, the Lord comes and he knocks once again. May he find us welcoming to his presence. May he find us tenants who are not seeking for ourselves, but rather seeking only after him and to be able to give him what is rightly his. Namely, all of ourselves. Let us open our hearts that there he might find fruitful ground. That many fruits might be able to be born from us by our yes that we give to him each and every single day. As we look forward to the day that he calls us to himself, to that great feast that is ours in heaven.